You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to Leaf Sky, Episode 15, Season 3. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Our special guest today is David Alter, publisher and reporter of Inside the Maple Leafs for the SI Media Group. The hockey sample size for the Leafs this week is short. It's only two games with another one on Saturday night. We'll get into that very shortly. But first, the NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL Divisional Round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook using the code THPN. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. So as I say, the sample size is two games, 5-4. Just a wacky game in overtime over Florida at home on Tuesday night. Nylander steps up in the third period, ties it, and then wins it on a gorgeous overtime goal. And that's win number one of the week. The second win is even more intriguing. Thursday night at home to Winnipeg. Winnipeg with that stealth forecheck in the first period stymied the Leafs, but the Leafs found a way to chip and chase and get through it, and that's certainly illustrated on Austin Matthews' first of two goals to open the scoring in the second period. A 3-0 lead turns into a 4-1 win, and it proves that those that doubt the Leafs are better this year should look at this game because it proves they can get through a really good forecheck in the past that would have stymied them, but it did not happen this way. There's another game Saturday night in Montreal for the Leafs, and always interesting to see what happens when the Leafs and Habs get together no matter where the game is played. Well, let's check out our conversation with David Alter and see what he's up to. Well, Dave, the uh, Leafs come out of two losses on the road to Detroit and Boston with a 5-4 overtime win over Florida and an impressive 4-1 win over Winnipeg. Uh, Two games this week, two wins. What have you seen? Yeah, I've seen a team that uh, in two of those games really kind of stuck up for themselves when it got really physical. I've seen uh, Austin Matthews come back to life after what looked like a much-needed couple of games away. And, um, yeah, whatever injury he was dealing with, which he has not divulged into, uh, it seems to be that just taking the time off, was absolutely perfect for him to look like his old self again. He just looked really dominant and his shot, something that had been missing uh, before that little break, his shot was right on par. So that really bodes well for the Maple Leafs that uh, if they can load manage Austin Matthews between now and the playoffs for whatever they have to, to just have him feeling good, Leafs are in a comfortable spot. It looked really good over the last few games. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, I find it's interesting when you go to the Fab Four, the top four forwards, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and Matthews, in their own right, they've sort of taken over a, a more dominant role in terms of deciding who's going to, uh, you know, if, if the Leafs are going to win a game or not. One of those four guys usually steps up. 
Yeah, they they usually do. And uh, in Matthew's case, it was important. Of course, now in the playoffs, the, the issue has always kind of been that uh, Austin Matthews hasn't produced a lot of points in, in in those games and, and, you know, even though William Nylander's had a good playoff here too, Mitch Marner's kind of had an okay playoffs, but not, not Mitch Marner regular season level. And John Tavares is, has been okay at times as well. They've needed everybody. They've really needed uh, the offense to kind of come alive at the right time in order to make sure that they can go on a deep run. And so what the Leafs have managed to do, even with the core four guys is just, be well defensively and uh, and take care of the stuff that wins championships. And if they can get that in order, then the offense will come as well. And so they've done a pretty good job in that regard. But um, now it's just a matter of executing and doing it at the right times. There's a lot of games between now and the end of the regular season with not a whole heck of a lot to play for. So it's just a matter of kind of keeping these guys going and making sure they're firing at the right time. Uh, I was impressed on Thursday night with the play of Samsonov. I thought he really, there was a lot of situations where he had to battle to keep his position, and boy, did he fight through that. He looked really good, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and uh, one of the things I get to watch on a daily basis at practice is just how much work Curtis Sanford puts in with the goalkeepers, and it seems like it's really shining off on uh, Samsonov more than uh, anyone could have expected. Like, you're seeing a lot of good positioning you're seeing acrobatics you're seeing kind of an old school be good in the positions and and the butterfly but also get right back to the spot when you're exposed and so you saw that he's going left to right to left to right so fast that he's just in the right positions all the time and his defense has been doing a pretty good job of eliminating second chances which is making goaltenders always look good um but uh, yeah, there, there's there were some difficult saves, particularly in that first period that Samsonov had to make, and he still doesn't have a regulation loss at home, which is kind of wild when you think about it. How how different these goaltenders have played at home and on the road, but uh, for now it's working for them, and so uh, they've got the real true tandem in both him and and Matt Murray. Totally agree. Um, the Holmberg situation is a little odd. It's probably got an easy explanation, but why did they send him down? Yeah, so I, I looked into it. I, I, I kind of was confused myself. And then, you know, this team is heavily on analytics. Uh, the last four games that Pontus Holmberg had played, his expected goal share was pretty low compared to his average, which is 54%, including all those four games. But those four games were in the 30s and 20s. And uh, the Leafs had won some of those games as well. Uh, but when they called up Bobby McMahon, Austin Matthews was hurt. And then Austin Matthews comes back. Bobby McMahon is putting up great numbers from an expected goal share standpoint and all the possession stuff. And uh, has looked really good on that third line with Pierre Engvall and David Camp. That uh, it's either that, do you take out one of your physical guys and Dryden Hunt to make room for Holmberg, who's a natural center, or, or do you uh, just send him down because he hasn't skated for a while? Um, in these couple of games here. And so that's ultimately what the Leafs decided. And I thought it was pretty important that Sheldon Keefe said he'll be back soon because he does trust a lot of, of Pontus Holmberg in that spot. And as injuries are going to happen, they're going to need him for sure. Um, I've been really impressed with how Holmberg has just looked NHL ready from the get-go. 
And yeah, even if he has had a bad game or two, uh, he's certainly earned the long rope that he's had that I, the only other option would have been to, to bench Alex Kerfoot at the fourth center position. But Alex Kerfoot is now starting to turn it on a bit here. And it would have been weird to just have a three and a half million dollar player sit on the bench when uh, you could still use him for his defensive abilities. So all those reasons combined is why I think you're seeing Pontus Holmberg down with the Marlies. But as Sheldon Keith said, I don't expect that to be very long. Well, I, I'm just going to slightly disagree with you. I mean, it is odd to have a $3.5 million guy centering your fourth line, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there is that as well. Um, but, I mean, they've used him at all four lines even in previous years as well. They like having him. They like being able to move him up the lineup. They like his versatility. Uh, they, Of course, they would like to see more offense from him. But um, now that's starting to come on a little bit here. And, um, yeah, I think they just feel that even if he isn't producing at that level that he was before, that the fourth line center spot is still better than not having him play. And what that could possibly do for his confidence as they perhaps need him if injuries and whatnot uh, occur where at some point they might need him again in the top six. Not saying that that's in the plans, but you never know what injuries may force. So one thing I remember... Uh, Sheldon keeps saying about Alex Kerfo when he got promoted early up uh, last year when Michael Bunting got hurt is that everyone likes playing with him. And when you've got that and a member of the leadership group, which Alex Kerfo got introduced to in the past year, uh, it's not it's not a move that would have necessarily gone over well. So you kind of have to figure out those elements, too, when you're a head coach. So um, if he's in the leadership group, I mean, do you think there's any chance that he could re-sign with them in the summer? Uh, I mean, that's going to be very difficult. You have to think with the production this year that the Leafs probably wouldn't be interested in the same kind of cap hit. Not sure what he would get on the open market either. It could work out, um, but the Leafs have a lot of guys they need to re-sign. David Camp's an unrestricted free agent. Michael Bunting's still an unrestricted free agent. And there's no telling what kind of cap hit Bunting is going to command. So... Uh, it's it's going to be very difficult, but uh, you never know if the outside interest isn't there and uh, and there's still value to be had and they can come up with a number. It's certainly possible. I just don't know if it's mutually beneficial for either side at this point. David, let's go to uh, the trade deadline and, and what they're looking at. So with this blue line, uh, either Timmons is in or, or Ben is in, uh, you know, that that's the rotation without knowing what happens with Muzzin. Uh, I, I mean, I think there are some people, certainly with the Gudis in Florida there on Tuesday night, talking about he would be a nice fit, regardless of what the you know what the price would be and how that would fit into the cap. Just that type of player. I, I don't know that that you have to touch this blue line. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I don't think you have to either, but I do understand the logic there. I mean, you look at uh, I mean, I he reminds me of Roman Polak when the Leafs had him, and yeah. uh, he was the kind of guy who was kind of stepping up. Uh, for everybody there last year i mean a great example that was Ilya labushkin a right-handed shot who could just hit people and fit in pretty well and um you know i I was kind of the ones who thought that maybe they should have tried to figure out a way to bring him back but jordy ben has been kind of the pseudo replacement there but he's not an everyday defenseman so i agree that you probably don't have to do anything but 
I think most people would feel that you need someone more bona fide in the five, six that could also move up to three, four when guys are hurt and um, outside of Sandine and Lilligren. And, uh, and of course you mentioned, we don't know what's going on with Muzzin. If you get an injury or two, then there could be some big trouble with some unknowns. Connor Timmons has been good, but when he's not producing offensively, there have been issues. And so outside of that, they have to continue to work on him. And there's just a lot of these little projects that I think it would, it would serve the Leafs well to just have another veteran playoff experienced defenseman at their wits if they feel early on in a playoff series that some of these other new guys that are just kind of fresh faces and projects are not getting the job done in the short term. Okay, well, let's focus on the left side of the Tavares line. I mean, I, to me, that is that is a must-acquire. Somebody with uh, top six winger abilities, and I don't know what the price would be, but that is the missing piece for me. How about you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I do think they need to do that. Of course, things complicating uh, that are the fact that the Leafs are going to have to try and find space to accommodate that player and enough third-party brokers to get that salary cap down of whatever that player is, right? If you want to just throw out a, a $7 million player, well, the most you're going to be able to get that down to is 1.75 with the third party. And so that's going to cost assets as well. And then in addition to that, you're going to have to make sure the team has the slots open that uh, even with the three retention slots open, they can only occupy 15% of that team's total cap hit. So that's only 12.35 or 3.75. If I remember correctly, 12.375. So there's that. And the Leafs don't know what their cap situation is going to be right now between now and March 3rd because outside of Nick Robertson, who's a for-sure LTI, that they have a little bit of salary cap space that they could use there. Assuming Jake Muzzin is not back, they're already using that space, and they still only have like $1.2 million. So it's going to cost some roster players, and it's going to cost some assets. And... Uh, there's a record amount of teams that are into LTI right now with not a lot of space that uh, there's just not a lot of wiggle room. So unless the Leafs have major injuries now in which they would have to address some other things that they would be able to use that cap space and utilize, it's going to be very difficult. Not saying the Leafs haven't been able to be uh, uh, magic deal breakers uh, on trade deadline and find ways to get it done. But this year is going to be harder than ever to do that unless they get some injuries here. Uh, and the only other solution outside of that is a roster player that they feel they don't need. And if that's the case, then that asset of draft picks and prospects is going to be even more expensive. So it's it's pretty crazy. Like there's a lot of buyers, not a lot of uh, sellers, and not a lot of space for those sellers. So it's it's going to be very hard to maneuver. Well, I like what you said about the broker uh, team, so I, I decided to look that up. And, and really, you're talking about five teams that have $5 million bucks to the cap to spare, and that's Chicago, Detroit, Anaheim, Arizona, and Buffalo. I can throw in Minnesota and Ottawa, which would have 2 to $3 million, but that's still not. I mean, 2 to $3 million could you know you could work with that uh, but those other five teams can certainly be broker teams and then the question would be what is the cost to absorb somebody's problem yeah and when you and as you mentioned there's not a lot of those teams right so yeah. uh, it's gonna be expensive it's going to be blue chip prospects it's going to be first round picks 
Uh, Leafs don't like parting with their first round pick. They've managed to avoid it last year after, after giving it up the year before. Um, but to get a blue chip top six winger can be very hard to kind of acquire that. Like that's, that's going to be very difficult. Okay. So let's end it on this, David. Um, if this roster stays the way it is now, then uh, you can add anybody from the Marlies, Holmberg or, or whoever to the roster. Are you confident that this roster, the way it is now, everybody being healthy could do it, uh, any kind of damage in the playoffs? I think the way this roster is right now could win a round or two, um, but I do think they need some help. I think the way Boston played them and, and just ju- judging by everything, the Leafs would get Boston in the second round if they managed to get past Tampa. But outside of that, it's uh, it's difficult. You need more pieces, and I think the Boston, I think the way they played Boston was encouraging with the group that they have. That they they pushed them to the limit, and they beat them earlier in the regular season at home. But I still think they need some help there. And so I would say. You went around or two, maybe, but I, I, I do think they need some help. And, um, you know, top six left winger, uh, top, uh, another depth defenseman, I think maybe even another one after that. I think that would be the way to go for the Maple Leafs. But as we talked about, it's going to be difficult to find that space. Yeah, I don't want to put too much on the Boston loss because it was by the slimmest of margins on a late goal. And there are two more meetings with the Bruins before the end yeah. of the season. But in that game, I think it's safe to say uh, the old Bruin advantage over the Leafs, the bottom six forwards, that was the difference in the game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. Um, and that's that's been the, the MO for the Toronto Maple Leafs the last several years, right? Like, they have always felt they've got those core pieces in place. But you look at how Tampa's fourth line dominated the Toronto Maple Leafs in last year's playoffs. Um, you look at some of the other spots, like even Corey Perry, not even just in that playoff series, but the one before against Montreal, yeah. like those different type of players that are skilled, that can get under the skin and uh, do some real damage against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Those are things to be mindful of. And that's why the Leafs have spent a lot of time this year trying to reconstruct what their fourth line is supposed to be. Not quite sure they have figured that part out yet. David, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Hey, you got it. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right, let's go on and look at the split. Yes, guy, no guy. Yes, guy, no guy, number one. Leafs roster as is could go deep. I'm going to have to say no guy. They really need that top six left winger to play with Tavares and Marner. That's just the way I see it. Sprinkle in a little more grit on the blue line. Then you have something. Yes, guy, no guy, number two. Thursday's win over Winnipeg is noteworthy. Oh, that's a yes guy. That stealth Jets forecheck was defeated. It took a little while and a lot of patience for the Leafs to solve it. They did. Austin Matthews leading the way. So that is an emphatic yes guy. Yes guy, no guy, number three. The loss Saturday in Boston leaves a mark. Well, I'm going to say no guy to that, although I must point out, once again, the Bruins' bottom six forwards were better than the Leafs' bottom six forwards. That's what's noteworthy in that game. Let's go out on this. Yes guy, no guy. You still feel confident about the Leafs. Oh, that's an emphatic yes guy. It looks different. It feels different. It must be different. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed Episode 15, Season 3 of Leafs Guy. Hope you come back next week for Episode 16.